After an accident, minutes matter. Your words and actions matter even more. You need help, and you need it now. This is David vs. Goliath, brought to you by Dolman Law Group Accident Injury Lawyers, a boutique firm with a reputation for going head-to-head with the insurance company giants and putting people over profits. Welcome to another episode of the David vs. Goliath podcast here with my partner in crime, Stan Geip. And today we have our esteemed guest, Michael Hoffman, who is a veteran's disability attorney. And that kind of takes us out of our normal area of practice because Stan and I are personal injury lawyers. There's a lot of uh, overlap between personal injury law and veteran's disability claims, but they're not one the same. And that's why we brought Mike on today to kind of clear up some of the confusion. You know, veteran's disability claims have garnered a lot of attention in the last year based on Camp Lejeune claims, but they're not necessarily one the same. There's a lot more to veterans' disability claims than just Camp Lejeune. Mike, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it, guys. Of course. So take us through a little bit of your background. What motivated you to get into veterans' disability law? Yeah, so I was in the service. I'm a veteran myself. I did it the uh, the old-fashioned way. So I went out of high school, enlisted, and um, did some time overseas, and then did a tour in Afghanistan. And you know, I got hurt myself and I had other people that I saw get hurt and went through the, when I was in college, when I got out, I was going through the VA process myself. And I'm like, you know, I had a, some musculoskeletal issues and a head injury. And I went, I was going to the doctor every day in Tampa. I was living in Orlando and I was driving to Tampa and um, I was there for like, I don't know, doing therapy for like a couple months, maybe, maybe a year at that point. And the doctor who I've been seeing all the time is really smart and really good doctor. And she's like, Hey, what's your service connection? And I'm like, I don't fucking know. What do you mean? What's my service connection? And she's like, what do you rate it at? And I'm like, you tell me, like, you're the doctor. Like, I'm just, what are you talking about? You know? And she's like, you're an idiot. And I'm like, what? She said, go downstairs and fill out these forms and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay. I had no idea, like at all. I just figured the VA will tell me what I'm rated at. Like, you know, they see me, they got my medical records and I had no context or anything like that. Sure. And so I went down and started filling out the process. And it turns out it's like a much more complicated world in which to live in. And so I did it and still didn't know much about it. And then, um, I was like, I'm smarter than a lot of people. Uh, and this is really complicated and confusing to me. Uh, and I definitely don't feel like I'm getting what I deserve. So I started looking more into it. When I went to law school, I worked at a clinic that, you know, veterans legal support clinic. And um, yeah, I just kind of got into it. And I, you know, to go with the name of the podcast, I like the, uh, I like fighting the uh, the government. So that was also a really big sell for me. <laughs> we all do. Although they can be worked, a hand in the ass. Worked though. for them. So there was time to fight them. Yeah, but that makes it more fun, you know. In your realm, in personal injury law, you know, most lawyers, they see a, a case against the government where it's like this because we're capped on fees and they just become just yeah. drawn out affairs on very simple cases. So what is a veteran's disability claim and kind of uh, distinguish that to a regular disability claim? Yeah. So the difference between general dis- disability and veterans claims is like with, with general disability, it's kind of a lot more often an all or nothing proposition with the VA there's a little bit more specific rules on how the disability came about, but there's percentages. So you can be 10% for something, 50% for something, 100% overall. And so what, what has to happen is you have to have an injury in service or a disease from service that was contracted from the service or that whatever your injury is was caused by that. So for example, in my situation, I had a back and knee injuries, but my feet were fine, right? So I got out, I was service connected for my back and my knees. And then after walking kind of funny and dealing with all this stuff and issues, my feet started getting really painful. And so they eventually my feet ended up becoming service connected. And why that's important to understand is that a lot of guys will get this like regular injury in service or this small, very small thing in service. And they're, you know, guys are tough and 
You know, they're like, no, no, I'm fine. I never hurt this. I just hurt my back. I'll be all right. I'm just getting older. But then when you start to uh, investigate it, you realize, well, yeah, but if you hadn't hurt your back that way, if you didn't have that injury in your back, if you were able to do X or able to do Y, then you wouldn't have a problem with Z. And so um, the VA is, uh, it's different because it's a lot more, you can be a lot more creative and, 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 and things flow a lot more, a lot differently than, than the other cases. It's a different level of, a different standard of uh, proof and different standard of injury. Understood. Michael, let me ask you real quick. Can you have both a VA disability claim and a general disability claim at the same time? Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, VA disability is in and of itself its own thing. It's with like Social Security and VA, they they certainly help like having being especially the VA having been service connected will help with your Social Security claim, but they don't affect each other in a negative way at all. So you could collect your full VA disability benefits and full disability benefits under, let's say, general uh, Social Security disability, and they don't have any overlap or set off? Absolutely. And, and, and it happens all the time. You also can be 100% service connected, meaning getting paid the full benefit and be working, uh, you know, be working and, and be getting paid in the economy at whatever you're getting paid at it. Your ability to, not your ability to earn, but your your level of wealth or, or um income has no bearing on it whatsoever. Is there a specific length for duration of service before you're eligible for a VA claim? No, I've represented guys in one that got hurt after two weeks in boot camp. Now, to be fair, that injury, they really got pretty badly hurt in boot camp and it wasn't their fault, right? You know, they got out. That was where the injury came from. Sure. But no, there's not like a specific timeline. Obviously, the longer the, you know, kind of there's more stuff that takes place. But from an eligibility standpoint, the only real eligibility is that there is the type of discharge they got. So a medical discharge is fine. A general discharge is fine. Of course, an honorable discharge is great. Where you start to run into problems is if somebody has an other than honorable discharge or a dishonorable discharge, meaning they got in trouble for um, you know something kind of serious and, that, and they were asked to leave active duty. You know, those guys will have a little bit uh, more of a struggle. Meaning the claim gets scrutinized more or how does that work? So they have, there's a, a bunch, a bunch of extra steps that have to be jumped through. So they will, we'd, you'd have to first try and get the discharge upgraded and then there would be more scrutiny on the claim. It's a lot more difficult. It happens, but you have to have a good, a good reason. So these are what individuals that went AWOL or just got thrown in the stockade at Leavenworth or what is the. Yeah. So, you know, AWOL is a good example. AWOL is a good example. The guy got redeployment orders. I'll give you an, an example from a case that I had, right? So guy was awesome. He served in Iraq and the invasion, uh, killed it, man. He was uh, did really well. He got a Bronze Star, which is a pretty serious award for a junior enlisted guy. He came out and was diagnosed on active duty with PTSD in like 2005, which to understand how this works. In 2005, there was no such thing as PTSD. Like nobody had PTSD. I mean, everybody did, but nobody did. You know, they didn't talk about it. So to be diagnosed with it was pretty serious. He then got uh, in treatment care during service, which again is very rare for mental health. And they were processing him out on a medical discharge because he couldn't do it anymore. He had seen some really, really intense stuff in the invasion. Anyways, while he's being medically processed out, he gets redeployment orders to go back to Iraq. Like just out of nowhere. It's like the government's stupid and they weren't paying attention and they just sent him orders to go back out and he freaked out. He went missing. He went home, you know, to his mom's house and hid out for a while. 94 days later, he turned himself in and it was AWOL and he was just, and they kind of railroaded him through the system. He was discharged uh, with a uh, dishonorable discharge and uh, it was, you know, a bad look. He was barred from VA disability benefits, even though he had been through all that stuff because of that incident. When we took over his case, we had to 
we had to get that overturned. So we were able to say like, come on, like, you know, the, the way he was discharged was, was nonsense. He should never have been discharged that way. Yes, he did something he wasn't supposed to do, but the guy was dealing with extreme mental health conditions. You know, it was this extremely difficult situation he was in. And you have to show a little grace and understand that like, that proves how disabled he was is because he did that. A guy that, you know, runs into, into the, into the fire doesn't then chicken out and run away. It's, there was something more there. Right. So we were able to get that case won and, and taken care of, but it was like, to use your words, much more scrutinized and took a lot longer, but it happens. Soup to nuts. And I, I don't know if Stan had a question. I mean, to, you know, to cut him off, but soup to nuts, take us through a veteran's disability claim. How does it start? You know, what is the process? Sure. So it's not a specifically linear pro, uh, proposition like in other, some other cases, but what happens is, is at whatever stage, whether they just got out of the service or they've been out for a while, they'll file a claim for benefits. Okay. So you'll file a claim saying, I, you know, I, on a simple government form, I think that my right knee is bad. My left knee, my headaches or mental health, whatever you file a claim for the benefits. Those bet that claim goes into the VA and the bureaucrats at the VA will review the claim and decide whether it's service connected or not. Sometimes they'll give you a little bit. Sometimes they'll give you, um, they'll deny everything. Sometimes they'll grant it. Once that claim comes back to provide what's called a rating decision, which would be in a, the general context, more like a, um, like a judge's ruling on a motion, maybe something like that. Right. So then that comes back and it'll tell us what's up. It'll tell us why at that point is when it starts to get a little bit interesting. That's when we will decide which level, how we want to appeal it. The VA provides multiple appeal streams is what it's called. So we can decide, Hey, we like the evidence that's here. We just want somebody that's got a little bit more experience in the VA to, to review this file. We can do that. We can say, you know what, we want to add a little bit more evidence. We can do what we call a supplemental claim and we can do that. Um, or we can say, screw it. We want to go right to the, to the big bad judge in DC and we can jump into that line. That takes you know, a little bit longer. So there's pros and cons to all of those. But the cool thing about the VA and the claim process is like it keeps bouncing around. So if you get denied, it, it's not over. We just can try a different route. And then if that route doesn't work, we try a different route. And if we need to get more evidence, we add more evidence. We're not like barred by some statute of limitations or only getting one bite at the apple. We are encouraged and allowed to take as many bites of the apple as possible. So how often you're involved in the very beginning in the, uh, let's say the, uh, the former service member does not go about it himself or herself. How often are these appealed? So the initial claim is regardless of who's, in, who's involved with it and from the beginning, almost always denied, uh, or at least denied in part. Like they'll give a portion of the grants, but you won't get to your ultimate goal, right? They might grant you not at like 50%, but you're trying to get to 100%, right? So o- almost always, I don't know, denied's the right word, but not, not a complete and total grant of where you want to be. Almost always, regardless of who's involved. The advantage of having somebody involved that knows what they're doing in the beginning is that you can make sure that the case is set up properly and the claims are set up properly so that when you do appeal it, or when you do push forward, you have all of the, um, the things that you need to get it done, all of the, the right, and everything's like lined up properly. That, that's a big differentiator. A guy that doesn't know what he's doing, a lot of veterans go through the VA process unrepresented, and you know, guys and gals will show up and they'll be applying for stuff or not applying for things because they don't understand how it relates. They don't understand how the process works. And so when we're able to take somebody from the beginning, and most attorneys don't do that, we do. We take the case right from the start. And the reason is because we want to create the the best possible outcome for the veteran long term. And so if you put a little bit extra work in the beginning and you build out the the claim properly, you'll be able to do that. Mike, I got a question for you. If someone's listening to us or they're a veteran that's out there, I mean, if you're you're in war, you hit an IED, you've got an amputation, you clearly know. OK, 
okay, you've got a disability at that point. I've talked to several veterans and almost every one of them has some sort of mental residual from their time in the service. They've got some sort of memory, sadness, something sitting out there. What point does that sort of mental residual, I'll call it, rise to the level of becoming either PTSD or a compensable disability? What do people need to look for? Does it like have to impact their daily living? Like when does it cross that line? Sure. So that's a great question. So PTSD is a specific diagnosis, right? Uh, And that's kind of the one that we talk about a lot. That's the catch-all for mental health. But mental health is mental health, right? It could be major depressive disorder, general anxiety, mood swings, mood disorders, sleeping, sleep disturbances, insomnia, whatever. Any mental, anything in the DSM DSM five is service connected. As far as compensable, you're compensable pretty much right away. If you have a if you have a, a mental health condition regardless of the severity of it, you can't, you have to, for you to have a mental health condition, there has to be some symptoms, right? And if there's some symptoms, then you're compensable. You might only be compensable at 10%, which is good for, you know, a hundred bucks a month kind of thing, right? Or you might be compensable at a hundred percent, which depending on your family size could be good for $4,000 a month, right? So you're compensable. It's just at what, at what degree. And as a general rule, whatever the VA gives you, you're at least two or three ratings below what, or you should be at least two or three ratings above that. That's another good example of how this relates to mental to your kind of um, more traditional personal injury laws. Like the first offer from the insurance company is rarely the best, the right offer, right? You know, they immediately tender you. You know, you got something, right? You know, so um, if the VA says, "Oh yeah, you're thirty percent," I look at that. And I'm like, "Ah, eh, you're fucking seventy percent. We'll figure. You know, let's let's look through this real quick and figure this out." You know. And I've got a second follow-up question to that. I've had in my own life here uh, run into to clients where I had one in particular that he had twisted his knee a long time ago in the service, wasn't anything that really limited him, but it always been sort of a nagging, lingering type of injury. He got into a car accident and really exacerbated that injury, that initial injury he had from the service. Uh, does How does that play out? Now, once you have an injury that may not be debilitating, but then gets exacerbated through a subsequent incident, can you still make a claim on that underlying injury? Absolutely. Absolutely. So th- those are a little bit more, um, you know, they're going to get denied a lot of times. They're going to say, oh, this, it's this injury from this car accident. You were in a car accident or you fell at work or whatever. But we win those all the time because if not for the initial injury, right, then that later injury might never have taken place or might not have been so bad. It's like the fruit of the tree or whatever, you know, whatever they call it. But, um, but yes, absolutely. And mental health is a good example of that. You know, physical stuff is more objective, objective, right? You know, you're looking in there and they can see it. And as long as the injury was there before, it's made worse by it. Absolutely. We can, we can increase that. It doesn't matter why it's bad now. It matters why it started. Um, with mental health, you see it all the time. It's like, you know, every person on earth, I want to go back to that a little bit. Every person on earth deals with the mental, mental health conditions. Every one of us, every person in this podcast, every person on earth has some mental health thing, whether we talk about it or not, it's a different story. So there's that stigma behind mental health. That's stupid. We all have it. Okay. Every veteran has it a little bit extra because, you know, we went through a little bit different stuff. Right. And, um, but there's a million factors that relate to people's issues. So like, you know, a lot of these guys, it's not just, they got in, they had this mental health condition from getting shot at or seeing something difficult or whatever. But now, you know, 20 years later, they've been through a divorce. Their children have had some issues. Their um, mother died, whatever. Right. And a lot of that stuff that people are like, well, that's not related. You know, that's that you're sad because you lost your job. Yeah. But why did I lose my job? You're sad because you're fighting with your wife all the time. Yeah, but why am I fighting with my wife all the time, right? What's the, what's the baseline? So if we're able to establish that 
the mental health condition started and or was exasperated by service. Once you get that link to service, it doesn't matter anymore what percentage of it was caused by service. Now it's about, and this goes the same with the knee or whatever. Now it's about how bad is it now? So the first step is linking it to service, right? The second step is, um, is, is the, the level of disability. And once the link is there, it's not like they're not associating uh, blame to this defendant and that defendant and that defendant. It's just, you got the link there and then the injuries here. Okay. Now the kind of last question along this line, if, if everyone's sitting here listening and they've got a physical injury that, from the service that just really creates pain, doesn't limit their ability to go about their day-to-day life, doesn't limit their ability to work, but they know it's there. Hey, I got a neck injury that creates headaches. I can work. through. Where's the threshold to make a claim in that situation? They should have. They should absolutely have a claim already. If there's painful motion, is a claim, especially if it's causing headaches. Headaches are debilitating, man. Like I don't know if you get bad headaches, man, but you know, Sam. But headaches mess me up big time. Like I, I uh, yeah. If you have painful motion, it's a ten percent rating. It's not like you're not gonna. It's not gonna be the end all be all of your case, but yeah, man, it, it, there's no threshold on it. If, if there's something, if you're feeling it, there, it's there. It's not like it's got to be. I got to walk with a cane, or I got to have a neck brace on. If there's painful motion, there's painful motion. A lot of guys that are service connected are, you know, able to do a lot of stuff. Like I, you know, I can't run, right. But I can walk. I walk a lot of, you know, 10,000 plus steps a day. I take my, my health really serious and I do that, you know, but I'm not in the gym powerlifting, right. I have other guys that I know that do powerlifting in the gym, but they deal with a lot of service connected issues. And it doesn't mean just because you're able to do things and fight through things doesn't mean that it's not there. Um, that's a misconception. Um, a lot of guys, are mentally very tough and, you know, they refuse to victims and they refuse to fight th- and they refuse to give up and they fight through things. And that's kind of the community as a whole. As a, and so if we just f- figured I can't claim this or I can't get compensated for this because I can deal with this, it doesn't matter. You know, that's, that's, you're going to end up losing out on a lot and you're not going to be properly, uh, it's not going to be properly adjudicated. What you need to do is people need to look at it and say like, yeah, yes, I can fight through this. I'm going to be honest about that. I'm not going to lie about that. I'm going to fight through this. But it still hurts. When I get home, I still have to ice my back. I still have to, you know, do whatever else. It's 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 all part of it. It makes sense. Yeah. No. What are the, I guess, the most common fuck-ups? I like to call the fuck-ups. And you asked before yeah. we start if we can curse. So I love cursing. Um, common mistakes that former service members make when filing a uh, disability claim. Where, where can they possibly screw up their claim? And what do you do to get around that? So... One of the nice things is even if they do fuck it up completely, um, I like that word too. It's the most versatile word in the, the, in the English language. Yeah, it's awesome. the best. It's the best fucking word. We, yeah. can, we can do a but, whole uh, podcast on that. Yeah. Yeah, it's the fucking A. We can always add to it, right? We can always add a new claim. We can always add. If they, if they didn't file for what they should have filed for, we can always add. There's no statute of limitations. What it does is it hurts their effective date. But the, where people commonly mess it up is that they won't claim certain things because they don't think it's related or they don't understand it or they will try to be too tough. They think, fine, it's not that bad. Yeah, my knee is totally jacked up, but so is everybody's knee, right? They kind of underplay, kind of going, we were talking about a second ago. They underplayed or downplay it. That, that's where people mess up. A couple of things that people do all the times, so you guys said headaches before. Headaches is something that is very good to be service, it's very good service connectable issue. And it's a good percentage. It's good, what I call it, chunk yardage to get a good rating. But everybody on earth gets headaches, right? You know, everybody gets headaches. So nobody thinks I'm going to claim headaches. You know, they, they just don't think to do it. They think, oh, I, I've always had headaches or my neighbor gets headaches and he wasn't in a service. And that's fine. Um, but it's our job to figure out if we can link it to service. And just because you may have normally got a headache or maybe your back would have hurt because you work as a longshoreman anyways or whatever the issue is, 
if not for the service, it wouldn't be worse. So a lot of times what people do, the big mistake they'll make is they'll undersell how their service related to their situation. You know, they'll, they'll downplay it. They'll be like, ah, but I also had been, had been in that car accident. I'd also have done this. And that's where, you know, does that make sense? It does. So let's look at the inverse. Is there those obviously who overplay it? Is there fraud involved in yeah, VA disability claims? And when do you see that? Of course, of course. People are shitbags, man. In you every know? realm. Just because you, realm. So uh, just because, color, listen, yeah. no, 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 as a, <laughs> as a proud member of the community, as a disabled combat vet, as somebody who absolutely loves the guys I serve with and dealt with, there's some shady motherfuckers, you know. And there's some stolen valor. Google what stolen valor means. There's a lot oh, of people yeah. that Watched, are, I went down rabbit holes on YouTube watching six, seven yeah. hours of stolen valor yeah. guys who are walking around with accommodations and medals that are out of place and they're yeah, right. you see all the time. Right. Right. And the videos that you've seen are like the extreme examples, right? But most stolen valor is a guy that served, but maybe he did serve quite as well. You know, we, we got him at, we got him at these law conferences we go to everybody fucking is going to the Supreme court next week. You know, it's the same kind of, same kind of thing, overselling their service. Right. So we have that. We certainly have plenty of fraud, but it's not that big of a deal. I mean, it happens. You identify it every once in a while. I have a case and I'll be representing them and I'll have to fucking pull out because I know that they're full of shit, you know, yeah, no, Generally, just like there's um, bad lawyers, there's bad people, bad apples everywhere we go. It's just, just curious about that. I don't want anyone out there yeah. painting. They, they have it. And, and, and that, no, no, they haven't. And sometimes that makes it harder, right? Like the guys that, you know, the common concept, common thought within the VA system is guys going forward is the guys that actually need it, don't get it. And the guys that don't need it, get it. And it's, you know, the squeaky wheel or the squeaky wheel gets the oil or whatever the expression is. And these guys that are full of shit are in there every day. They're going to the doctor. They don't, they're not trying to live their lives. They're talking to the doctor all the time. My back, my knee, my whatever, you know? So a lot of times the guys that we represent are the guys that actually really need it because they're not doing that. Understood. I got one more question. I just kind of playing some of this out. What do you do for, let's say you got a guy, he's got a, you know, a clear physical disability, knows it, it's acute at the time of service, gets like a 70%, let's say disability, real, real physical injuries. Uh-huh. Over time, those physical injuries cause depression cause mental mental anguish and and the mental angst or anguish isn't related to something specific like a traumatic event in the service but your limitations related to the physical disability is that mental claim related to the physical disability absolutely would your mental health be as bad if you didn't have those physical disabilities you know no can you explain them because how that works going back for a second bite at the apple once you realize you've got something additional going on so if you came to me with a claim on that, right? You know, if you came to me and we were looking at this, to, uh, like, hey, I'm dealing with this. I'm going to ask you, hey, how does this affect your mental health? How does your knee being fucked up affect your, affect your mental health? How does your back being fucked up affect your mental health? Like, you know, like I'll give you an example I, 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 to pick on myself, right? I got a six and an eight-year-old, right? And I can't pick my kids up the same way other dads can pick their kids up. I can't run with my kids. I can't ride bikes with my kids. I can't do that stuff, right? Fucking sucks, man. You know, like... Sometimes I'll be watching my kids and I'll be like, ask my brother-in-law, hey, can you do this for me? Or can you lift him up? And it, you know, it makes me sad, right? You know, it affects, it affects me. I wish I could do that. Stuff like that rolls in. I'll you know, be walking down the street like, oh man, those guys are playing basketball. I wish I could go play basketball. Sometimes it's like small stuff, right? You know, but you miss out on things and it creates an effect. Um, I can't work because I'm so physically injured. I'm, that causes depression. I'm young. I can't, you know, whatever, whatever happens to different people. So we link mental health to service via an injury all the time how that affects it. And it's not to say that the only reason you're having a mental health issue is because you have a physical injury, but it absolutely 
contributes to it and adds to it. And yeah, absolutely. The other way to do it is another good example with diseases and stuff like that, or like, you know, diabetes, heart issues, whatever, stuff like that, more general physical and medical claims is that like, let's say you hurt your knee or your foot in service really bad. You were, you know, you worked out, everybody in the service is in pretty good shape. You were in good shape. You got a really bad knee. Now you can't work out anymore. So what happens? You gain weight. Okay. So I gain weight because I can't do this stuff. Or I got depressed. So I gain weight. Well, you know, weight gain can cause a lot of problems. Now all of a sudden I got sleep apnea because I put my weight gain or my mental health has caused my sleep apnea. Oh shit. Now I get service next to sleep apnea. Well, sleep apnea, I'm having these irregular issues with sleep. That's caused my, uh, you know, atri- AFib or whatever, my heart condition. That's caused this, that's caused that. So it's, it's like a tree. You link things to it. If not for this, then that. Wow. It seems like a real slippery slope. But in a good way, it's, it's, no, it's yeah, a slippery no, slope in a bad connected. way for your medical, but in a good way for your claim, <laughs> you know, right? Understood. So, Is there certain yeah. misconceptions out there about veterans' disability claims you'd like to clear up that you see often that just, uh, I guess, um, erroneous statements or misinterpretations of how veterans' claims work? So first of all, there's anybody who tells you they can make it go faster is full of shit or ignorant, right? You know, like you go as fast as you can go. It's a federal fucking government. You know, you can, it's what it is, right? You, you can't. Yeah. You I only can't, laugh because like, we went through like this just, once and you said it even more colorfully when we were at a bar, but yes, go on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same lawyers who tell you they're going to the Supreme Court next week. Yeah, right, right. So like, you got to be careful with that. Um, Stolen legal value. So that's like a good limit. Exactly. So that we should, we should create t-shirts. So that's a, a red flag. If somebody's like, Oh yeah, we can get this done really quick for you. Okay. So that, that's an issue. The other thing is, is a lot of people and some of them are veterans. We talk about shady motherfuckers and, you know, and scum and scam artists. There's a lot of people joining this space that are not authorized or uh, not lawyers. And they're not, they're not sanctioned by the VA and they're, you know, predatory and they got a bunch of money behind them and go out and get these cases or get these veterans to sign up with them. And they're, they're very predatory. And it's important that if, you know, the VA requires you to be, or, you know, me to be certified within the VA. I'm actually at a conference right now for the national organization of veteran advocates. That's why I'm doing this podcast in a kind of a weird spot. And, um, you have to be certified and, and it goes through an extra screening with the department of veteran affairs. There's a reason for that because VA cases are super different. And because, the veteran population can be um, taken advantage of pretty easily. And so the, you know, we want to give the federal government a lot of shit. I love to do that, but they are in some situations trying to look out for the, for the, for the veteran, right? There's a lot of people out there that are maybe making you think that they're lawyers or thinking they can provide a similar service and uh, they're stealing from, from veterans. So regardless of you know, what attorney you sign up with, you want to make sure whoever it is that they are authorized by the office of general counsel for the, uh, for the VA. It's really important. Understood. You know, another question I had, and it's while I'm watching on my TV in the background, the uh, U.S. Embassy in, in Beirut and Lebanon is on fire. Oh, I don't great. Know if you knew that. Yeah. As a former did not, combat did not know that. It's a wild world we live in right now, especially in these unstable times. And who knows, a World War III is on the precipice and what's going on in Israel. But, um, you know, we, we heard about the presumptive conditions in Camp Lejeune. And I know we discussed this at the bar. This is after having several drinks, so I can't. My memory got a little faded. That I need you to jog my memory from that night. What do presumptive conditions mean in terms of veterans' disability? Are there specific presumptive conditions? And I know how they were used in the context of Camp Lejeune, that if you have these specific conditions, we can assume it was caused by the toxic water at Camp Lejeune based on several studies that they did of the, uh, the water, the aquifer. What do presumptive conditions mean in disability? So there's presumptive conditions for a lot of different things. So like the PACT Act, which is what brought Camp Lejeune into everybody's lives, was mostly based on like burn pits and stuff that was toxic exposures that we had in Iraq and Afghanistan. 
Lejeune came into it, some more stuff with Agent Orange. But the VA has been dealing with presumptive conditions forever, for a long, long time. Um, presumptive condition, a good example would be like the guys that served in Vietnam that were exposed to... Uh, Agent Orange? Yeah. Their level of um, disability when it comes to like uh, diabetes type 2. The percentage of guys that served in Vietnam that have t- diabetes type 2 compared to the general population is, I don't know the number off the top of my head, but it's extravagantly different, right? It's so much more, right? Certain cancers with Camp Lejeune, certain cancers with, with these different things, where, like you said, through studies, through t- tons of data of veterans coming in and having these issues, the government said, okay, we can't, we, you no longer have to prove to me that it's, it's directly related to service. We'll just say, if you were where we needed you to be, so for Camp Lejeune, you were at Camp Lejeune for 30 days. For In Vietnam, you stepped foot on the ground in Vietnam, or you're in the, the area now, it's a little bit broader, or... Iraq and Afghanistan, you were there for 30 days and exposed to these um, burn pits that if you have one of these conditions, fuck it, we're going to say it's our fault. And so that's what the presumption is. So the initial service connection becomes easier because now we don't, you know, we've been fighting Campbell's gym cases forever and winning them by arguing that, yeah, okay, look in this, in this particular guy's case, in Matt's case, it's clear that it's as likely as not that the VA, or excuse me, that, that, that he, his disease was caused by, or his injury was caused by the water at Camp Lejeune, right? In his specific case, we had to prove that. Now, I don't have to prove that. Now, I just have to say, he was there in every fucking veteran's case. You know, it doesn't matter. It, this, it's presumed that that's what took place. It's um, kind of like when you go to a trial and you're not fighting over um, liability. Liability's been admitted. You're just fighting over damages. That's kind of the best way to look at it. We proved that you were there. Boom, that's done. The, the, the liability part of it's gone. Now we're just looking at damages. So now we're just deciding, well, how sick are you? You know, how, what, what else goes caused by that? Understood. Does that make sense? Yeah, 100%. Well, yeah, yeah. I think you've pretty much run the gamut on veterans claims today. So how, tell me about a little bit about the firm. Uh, for someone listening now, and I can just say, you know, whether anyone uses it as a vote of approval, we send our veterans claims to Michael Hoffman. We send our workers' compensation claims to his partner, Adam Warner. How does one get a hold of your law firm? Tell us a little about the firm and the contact information. Sure. So we're, our firm is called Warner Hoffman and Greg. It's primarily owned by veterans, uh, combat veterans. 70% of the firm ownership is combat veterans. Matthew Gregg was a JAG officer in the uh, Army, did a tours in Iraq and Afghanistan. I was enlisted and did my tours in, uh, in my combat tour in Afghanistan. Uh, we're out of South Florida, but we represent veterans nationwide. Yeah, I mean, we, we have a lot of veterans that work for us. So you handle veterans claims in all 50 states? All 50 states and ta- all the territories. And yeah, we, we handle them everywhere. So our primary practice is VA disability, you know, representing guys. And we started it. We were at a big firm before uh, we broke off on our own um, because we wanted to do things a little bit differently and be a little bit more focused on, on cases the way we want to be focused on and be real tech heavy, uh, be creative. Uh, I think the big differentiator between our firm and other VA firms that I'm friends with all these guys, like I said, I'm at this conference with them, is a lot, a lot of these guys are much more... Um, specific they want a very they want a very cookie cutter type of case we kind of get off on the creativity and being creative with cases and figuring out ways to cases that other people struggled with it's like fun to to fight them and we wanted to do more of that stuff and that's why we that's why we ended up going this way as far as the contact information that's a great fucking question um my email <laughs> my email is uh is you know my name warner hoffman.com m hoffman at warner hoffman.com that's Werner Hoffman is W-E-R-N-E-R Hoffman, H-O-F-F-M-A-N.com. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe you guys can throw up the number afterwards, but uh, pretty sure it's 1-800-320-HELP. Okay. All right. So those listening out there, my, I promise you, Michael Hoffman is an incredible lawyer. 
He might not know his contact information. He, this guy gets lost. He might not be able to get home. But uh, if you have questions, just contact Stan or I. We'll get you in touch with Michael Hoffman. We refer our own veterans claims there. I keep my card like this. If you just come up, pop it on your phone, and all of a sudden you got all my contact information. What the? Who, how many phone numbers do you remember? Come on. You I'm not knocking saying? you. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just throwing it out there. <laughs> in case anyone did lose confidence, I want them to know this is the guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm also honest, so you can tell that too. Right? We Same. didn't pause it, but we don't. We we understand our shit stinks. Yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. I appreciate the time. I appreciate you guys. Um, yeah, uh, asking questions and asking great questions, and um, and with any of these guys, the you know the, the kind of one thing I want to follow up on is like before we let you guys go is that VA disability benefits are one thing like the money that people get that's important the percentage people get that's important but a lot of times it's a moral thing like sometimes proving that this happened to me because of this and it you know it's not that's important to a lot of guys and then the benefits that people get are, are pretty extensive outside of the VA disability process so like you know depending on where you're rated at guys are able to get no property taxes send their kids to college for free you know, it, there's a lot of stuff there. And when we sign up to join the service, we sign an insanely one-sided contract and fucking insanely one-sided contract. They're like, okay, you're going to come here. You're going to go wherever the fuck in the world we tell you. You're going to do whatever the fuck in the world we want uh, for how at this period of time, right? There's two things that we get out of the contract or three things, very, very shitty pay. That's one. Two, we get education benefits and we, and three, we get disability benefits if injured in service, right? Or if there's something from service. And it's incumbent on us to hold them accountable and to take advantage of the benefits that we get. That one, I'm a big believer in using the education benefits that we get. Obviously, I did that. And two, taking advantage of the disability benefits. Because you made a comment a few minutes ago about like, who knows, World War III with what's going on in Israel and, what, and whatnot, right? You know, it's not a political statement, but in an all-volunteer service, meaning we're not drafting people, I have no problem with the president sending us wherever we need to go, whenever we need to go, right? That, the concept being that like, we joined, we knew what we were getting ourselves into. Nobody's, none of us are over here saying, oh, I shouldn't, you know, whatever, right? But the government needs to understand the cost of war, and it's a lot more than bombs and bullets. And if we're not taking care of ourselves when we get home and not showing people what the cost of war is by going to the VA, by getting compensated properly, then it makes the cost of war too cheap. It makes the cost of war insignificant. And people are like, yeah, fuck it, let's go. You know, and it shouldn't be. People should, the, a war doesn't end until the last veteran that served in that war dies, so we just ended World War One, right? You know, World War Two is just ending now, right? Because these guys are still dealing with this as it goes through. And I think that's important. And I think the only way to, the, one of the ways to look out for our brothers and our, and our sisters that serve with us is to go to the VA and take care of ourselves because that helps to set the standard. I don't know if that makes Made complete sense. Explaining that perfectly. But, Amen. You said it well. But I feel really passionate about that. So Agree. Well, appreciate having you on today. This, this wraps up another episode of the David vs. Goliath podcast. If anyone wants more information on Michael Hoffman, just contact me. You could always reach us at 833-55-CRASH. See, we know our phone number, unlike Mike. Or you could email me at <laughs> matt <laughs> at dolmanlaw, D-O-L-M-A-N-L-A-W.com, um, and I'll happily connect you with Michael and his partner, Adam Werner. Thanks, Mike. I really appreciate it. Have a great day. Fucking show off. Thanks again. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. All right, guys. We'll talk to you. Definitely. This episode of David vs. Goliath is over, but your journey is just getting started. To share your story with us, visit dolmanlaw.com. That's D-O-L-M-A-N-Law.com. Or call 866-965-6242. The insights and views presented in David vs. Goliath are for general information purposes only and should not be taken as legal advice for any individual case or situation. The information presented is not a substitute for consulting with an attorney. 
nor does tuning into this podcast constitute an attorney-client relationship of any kind. Any case result information provided on any portion of this podcast should not be understood as a promise of any particular result in a future case. Dolman Law Group. Big firm results. Small firm personal attention.